There is truly no Minnesotan tradition as sacred, widespread, and consistent than the Vikings ruining every single Christmas. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everyone, I guess welcome to Locked On Vikings. The Vikings are 7-8. and eight. They lost to the Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions clinched the division in U.S. Bank Stadium on Winter Whiteout. Uh, and we are going to talk about it. I know today is Christmas, so I hope everybody's having a lovely day. I know a lot of you have a drive though, so here's a show. And shoot, yeah, everybody's asleep. So I got time, I just can't be too loud because I'm staying with my sister and my nieces. And I don't want to wake them up. Um... So I might be a little bit more of a smooth and sultry kind of episode. But hey, if you are new to the Locked On Vikings podcast, we're always trying to learn something new. It is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you so much for hanging out. And hey, if you are an everyday or if you listen to this show every single day, even on Christmas, I appreciate you a lot. Although I have a feeling a lot of people are just going to like circle back to this one later too, which is also great. We take those. Uh, I am, of course... Uh, coming from my brother-in-law's like man cave, which if you're watching on YouTube explains all like weird, like geek culture stuff behind me, which is actually kind of rad. I would show you the whole room, but this isn't that kind of show. Um, so it is a Viking show. So, uh, thank y'all for uh, hanging out here on this merry, merry occasion where, uh, Nick Mullins sure was in the giving spirit. Good gravy. That was rough. Four interceptions for Nick Mullins. Second time, second quarterback on the season to throw four interceptions in a game. Pretty rough stuff. Um, so I was at at the game. I'm in Minnesota seeing family, and so we were able to get to the game. Um, and it's interesting because watching the highlight, low light reel of Nick Mullins, when the tape comes out, y'all are gonna see. I don't think a single one of those interceptions was a bad decision. But they were horrible throws. It's a way different problem than what we had with Dobbs. And I don't need to, you know, go blue in the face comparing Nick Mullins and Joshua Dobbs. Um, But let me give you the broad strokes of the game if you weren't watching because, you know, it was Christmas Eve. Um, it, It was fairly back and forth. The Lions went up 17 to 7 at one point. Vikings scored at the end of the half, then scored again coming out of the half, took the lead. Uh, and then they would score one field goal in the entire second half. The offense totally fell apart. Nick Mullins could not stop throwing interceptions. Uh, four interceptions on the day. There were a lot of really questionable ref calls. Um, I, I don't have like a list in front of me. I'll go over them when they come up in my brain. Um, but to me, the really bad one was the roughing the passer call that uh, I think got got them out of a second and 26 or it would have been like third and 20 because they got like a check down for four yards or six yards or something like that. Uh, Tiki tack pass interference or uh, roughing the passer call on Patrick Jones, who had the game of his life, by the way. What a waste of a great Patrick Jones game. Uh, and then the Lions would turn that into a field goal drive. Stings a little less because they lost like by six. So like you could overturn that and they would still lose. So it like is a little bit easier to cope with that. But it was bad. Um, 
and then there were a couple other there were like some misholds and 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 some other the, the officials did a pretty poor job and the last time the officials this particular officiating crew uh was in US Bank Stadium was the Chiefs game where they also I think did a bad job like controlling that game so Rough stuff for NFL officiating. If you want to hear me really go in on NFL officiating, you got to go to a locked on NFL from a week or two ago. Uh, was the one right after the Packers Chiefs game, whenever that one happened, um, that Sunday night game, because it is it is in an unacceptable state. Not just because sometimes they get subjective calls like pass interference wrong, because that's going to be kind of a matter of opinion a lot of time, anyways. And it's a little bit easier for me to say, okay, I didn't think that was enough contact. They did whatever, move on. But because they struggle to get the ball spotted in time, they struggle to to not let the game come to a screeching halt while they all gathered together and talked about things. Like the the pace of that game was really greatly affected by officials that were struggling to communicate with each other and that's i don't think that that's acceptable for the level of investment that the nfl has in their product and the level of investment that nfl fans have in their product that's not accepted it needs to be better and and i'm not the first one to say it i'm not the last one to say it and i don't need to sit here and complain about the refs all day because the vikings got beat nobody misunderstand me the vikings got beat yeah they actually outgained the lions again so this is now the fourth game where they've outgained their opponent and lost this year uh and they had one what was a tie so for, that was the chargers game they got the exact same amount of yards which is kind of funny so four or five games where you played well enough to win but you did not win and that's because they couldn't stop making stupid mistakes to you know back-to-back false starts uh, just melting down in um in in the beginning of the second quarter, melting down in the fourth quarter defensively. Brian Flores' defense got solved. We'll talk about that later. Uh, and ultimately, ultimately, if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, right? Like it, you, we'd all be very happy if we could go back and say, well, why don't we overturn that ref call and see what happens? But we can't. It is what it is. And um, if you don't like it throw fewer than four inters just throw three interceptions next time and then see if how you feel about the ref calls you know like just kind of dwindle like just cut back a little bit you don't want to do too many you don't want to just start throwing no interceptions because you know if you try to quit cold turkey that'll never work you know anyone who's tried to quit smoking can do that but if you have a bad habit like throwing interceptions you got to wean yourself off this. So maybe just three next time and maybe just two and then that'll be the end of the season because the vikings are making the playoffs let's be freaking real here they are not making this i don't know if they win another game to be honest with you. I think this team is broken. They are too injured now. TJ Hawkinson suffers a knee injury in this one. Jordan Addison suffers an ankle injury in this one. DJ Wanham is out. Uh, Makai Blackman goes goes in and out of the game. They've got Andrew Booth in. They've got Theo Jackson and they had Jalen Williams in at some point. The team's absolutely decimated. Um, So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll get into all of that. Uh, But I'm getting ahead of myself because what I really want to do is tell you about the Nick Mullins interceptions that really, to me, define this game because now the Vikings have had two quarterbacks go in since Kirk Cousins got hurt. And now two quarterbacks have thrown four interceptions. Uh, or the, the only one who hasn't was Jaron Hall who played like one drive. Um, I don't think he, he had only two possessions, so he physically could not have thrown four interceptions. Why does this keep happening? Right. And Hey, looks part of it is just who these QBs are, right? Nick Mullins is always going to be a hero ball. He's always going to have Bozo interceptions. And I was saying that since before he came in. All right. I was telling y'all go back and listen to those shows. I was telling y'all he's not boring. He's a little safer than, than Josh jobs, but I guess maybe not (laughs) because uh, he does not protect the football. And until he protects the football, he will never be a starter in this league. 
Um, and he might not be a starter, even if he does, because you, you kind of saw arm strength issues. Um, and you had arm strength issues with Josh Dobbs as well. I, I truly think Jaron Hall's the only one with, with like a true arm. Um, which is part of why I've been saying like, maybe he should be the guy, but I'm willing to accept that, Hey, they picked Nick Mullins in training camp and that's the guy who they're going to go with. And thinking about those interceptions again, they were all the proper decision. It wasn't that he just didn't see a safety like it was last week. It wasn't, um, that, you know, he, uh, was thrown into an ill-advised double coverage or anything like that. These dudes were open. There were two to Jordan Addison. If he threw those balls properly, they'd be touchdowns. And the one at the end that sealed the game, if he threw that one properly, it would be a touchdown. I watched that one on TV. You can't see it from the TV angle, but trust me, if you watch that play and you look at what Nick Mullins was throwing at, I looked over when I, when I saw him throw the ball, I looked to Justin. I was like, oh my God, that's touchdown Vikings. And no, the ball was way behind him and underthrown and horrible. And it looked to me like it slipped out of his hand. Like it came out just a duck. Just just a bad non-NFL throw. That is an amateurish throw. Uh, that is, is, it looks like it, it belongs more in the fan-controlled arena football league. Not good enough. Um, and the effect of all of that, of course the end of the minnesota vikings uh division hopes and honestly probably their season the rams win this week the seahawks win this week the packers win this week the falcons win this week the buccaneers win this week <laughs> nightmare day for uh the vikings and their like wild card chances but let's be honest you have lost four of your last five games i i don't want to hear about wild card chances at this point this team I, this team doesn't deserve the playoffs they are not consistent enough and that might not be their fault right too many guys are injured right uh, you know, they've, they've got to, to pull, pull on their depth. You know, you lose Kirk Cousins, you lose the quarterback, you lose the season. That's kind of the thing. So I don't know if it's anybody's fault that they're not good enough, but it's not changing that they're not good enough, right? That it, they still are not good enough. So I don't know. I, I'll still pull for him. Like, I'm not going to start rooting for him to lose for draft position or anything like that. I'm not that kind of weenie loser, but, uh, it's rough, man. Um, Nick Mullins and his or inaccurate throwing cost the Vikings this game kind of single-handedly. I mean, that's four possessions in a one-score game. So all that other stuff, you know, we can all swallow those pills, but that's one we can't do. Um, the other thing, though, that I think is like the major deal that had the biggest impact on this game was that Brian Flores' defense is solved, man. The blueprint is out there. And the Lions did everything exactly the way you're supposed to to beat the Brian Flores defense, and the Brian Flores defense did not adjust this week to what Cincinnati did to them last week. And uh, that we 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 got to figure out what to do next. So that's what's coming up next, plus uh, a little bit of um, future talk. You know, where do we go from here? Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. If you're the kind of person listening to this on Christmas, uh, if you're looking for something to do on Christmas, maybe you do, do not observe the holiday, which is fine. Um, check out patreon.com slash NFL. There's a whole bunch of content for you to see, including a video about how Brian Flores' defense got solved. Um, now, by the time you listen to this, that video should be free to watch. If it is not, yell at me. I, I just forgot. <laughs> so just yell at me online. But uh, the thesis of the video, it was about the Bengals game. And in the Bengals game, 
there were a few concepts that Zach Taylor brought out that were just perfect beaters for what the Vikings like to do in coverage. They just the dagger. That's a, a concept, a clear out from the slot receiver and an in or a basic or dig, whatever you want to call it from the, the X receiver from the outside receiver. Um, the way that that interacts with cover three, with cover two, Tampa two is all very good. It's a great play to run against the Vikings. Everybody likes to run a lot of dagger against the Vikings because of the coverage coverages that they run. And it's been the reason for a lot of those shots over the middle in the zones that just look like there's a guy wide open. A lot of that's dagger. Um, there's also bow, which is a McVay concept. The Vikings run a lot of bow as well, which is like an arrow route or basically a little hook, like a little curl, five yard curl kind of thing, either from the tight end or from a, from a three wide receiver. Uh, and then the next guy out runs a basic runs in or dig or an in, um, kind of right behind it right and you put the guy you put a guy in conflict right that guy either has to cover the arrow or the basic he can't cover both um again with the vikings and the way that they do their zones those underneath zones are very much landmark zones there you have a space of the field right so you're putting two routes in that space of the field you put them far enough away where he's got to choose one right and a lot of times if he sees an arrow he's going to crash down on that arrow he's going to come down and he's he's going to cover the spot route right he's going to cover what looks like it's in his zone he's going to go play tight to it that's what he's coached to do um but when he does that he gives a ton of space to the basic and then you're just going to see like a bunch of dudes wide open over the middle right and you're going to go oh my god where's the defense but that guy's in conflict he can't be right right if he goes back and covers the basic then he's going to run away from a dude who just catches the arrow and runs for the same amount of yards after the catch um it's just a beater for what we do right it's a good concept against what the vikings do uh and then all of the same stuff that i talked about in that episode about protection slides right so if you're in unfamiliar with how these protections work um when you slide the protection which means everybody block a guy to that so if you slide the protection right everybody block a guy to the right side and then usually in the nfl only like half the line will slide and the other half will play man to man so there's a slide side and a man side and on the slide side because of the way the vikings blitz rules work and everybody has known this about brian flores for years um Whoever's on that side will back off into coverage and kind of join the coverage uh, and just be an extra body so you can get another guy back there. Um, because offenses know this, they will slide their protections toward the slowest guys. So this is a lot of victimizing Jordan Hicks. And I'm glad to have Jordan Hicks back. I, I was never as big a fan of the season he was having as everybody else was, but I wasn't, I'm not going to say he was like doing poorly or anything like that. It's not that hot a take, uh, but it wasn't the thing that I like chose to focus on, but the way that Jordan Hicks is dropping right now, he he's dropping to a landmark and then reading the QB's eyes, but it all is just going too slow and the offense is executing. They're doing faster jordan hicks is doing so he's going to be late to the flat he's chasing a bunch of things out to the flat or sometimes that dude's harrison phillips that dude's jonathan bullard that is on the defensive line but the protection slid towards him so he is dropping back to a landmark and playing his own guess what now he's the closest guy to the ball and he is his responsibility to chase a swing pass to jameer gibbs he's never going to make it first down lines it's going to happen or joe mixon or who is their brown their their rookie running back that they did most of that game uh you know first down Bengals exact same game plan and for me it's especially frustrating because i love what brian flores has done and i don't want you to misconstrue me as saying like this is the coach this is brian flores's fault um 
and I understand that players have been injured and stuff, but I don't think that the the Lions scoring 30 was the result of injured player or you know backup players not playing well enough. I, I don't think that at all, actually. In fact, the guy who had a wor- the worst game on defense was a Caleb Evans. He got straight up benched for Jalen Williams. And you want to know why? It wasn't because he couldn't cover. It wasn't because he's played bad. It's because he couldn't tackle. That's the biggest thing on the defense. You got to be able to tackle. You want to know why Lewis Seen isn't in the game? He can't tackle. We saw it in the preseason. You want to know why Brian Asamoah got le- leapfrogged by Troy Dye? Tackling. Because Troy Dye is a better tackler. That is it. That is the thing. And if you think about it, it kind of makes sense because if you go back to 2022, it's Ed Donatel, right? And that Fangio scheme is very much, let's all back off and then rally to the ball. So if you're a bad tackler, it's actually not that big a deal. So if you see bad tackling on someone's tape, hey, that's all right. If he slides off him, we're going to have three different hats coming to the ball. Um, But if you fire that guy, and you bring in Brian Flores, whose whole deal is that you have to tackle because we aren't playing super soft, right? We are playing tight to routes. We are driving on the ball. We're blitzing a whole bunch of people. DBs are going to be on an island, one-on-one, having to tackle all the time. And if they don't, we actually saw. Like, whenever Cam Bynum misses a tackle, you notice, right? Like, it is very apparent when Cam Bynum misses a tackle. Uh, and he doesn't miss all that often. He's missed a couple more in these last games and we're going, Oh my God, Cam Bynum's such a disaster. He's missed his like four tackles in two weeks. And it's like the first time he's missed all year. Um, that's relatively not good, but it's not nearly as bad as it feels to us because the stakes are so much higher. You miss a tackle in the Flores defense. It's a disaster. Dudes go crazy and you go, Oh my God, that Bynum miss was, was horrifying. So you got to be able to tackle. Caleb Evans couldn't tackle. He got yanked. That's rough. That's got nothing to do with injury. That is them realizing that this dude's having a bad game and that we can juke him out of his shoes. Rough game, right? Um, And Cam Bynum, he wasn't in because of injury. He's a starter and he couldn't tackle. Jordan Hicks, starter. Bad game. Um, It goes on. Daniil Hunter, totally total disappearing act. He got absolutely stonewalled by those tackles. Now, they were rushing three a lot, right? He had doubled a lot. There's there's reasons for this that aren't necessarily that much of a reflection on him, but those are schematic things. So for me, a podcaster, <laughs> I'm not a coach, right? But I figured it out. If I can figure it out, I don't I don't pretend to be someone smarter than NFL teams. In fact, I know I am not. Therefore, if I could figure it out, Ben Johnson can figure it out, you best believe. It's a bad omen when I can figure it out. Um, that means it's too obvious. <laughs> it's too easy. Uh, and I have felt that way before and then been totally wrong and been like, oh, I didn't figure it out at all. They actually had this counterpunch ready and I just wasn't ready for it. Hey, that's why I don't get paid to coach football. <laughs> Duh. Uh, but when I'm right on that kind of thing and then the Vikings didn't seem to realize it. That gets really frustrating. And I think this is now a theme of the back half of this Viking season where there has been a really, really apparent problem and they're a game late to fixing it. Maybe even more. We'll see if Brian Flores, defense even does anything for the last two weeks. Um, but the book is out. So you got to figure out how to deal with that. And what, what that answer is. I don't know. I don't get paid to be a coordinator. That's his job. 
but you got to figure something out. And that's not benching a guy. That's not firing a guy. That's finding a different coverage structure. You know, you've got a lot of tools in your back. They have a lot of different coverages. You just got to go to different ones because you kind of know what concepts you're going to get, right? If you, if you know that you're going to get dagger and bow and these swing passes out to the flat, if you're going to get these all day long, then you know that going in because two teams just killed you doing it. And of course, Matt LaFleur is going to watch that for the Packers and be like, yep, that's my thing. I'm doing that. I uh, come up with the bet. Go do, do a different, you know what the offense is going to do. Come up with a plan to stop it. You cannot give 30 up to the Packers on Sunday night football and call yourself a serious defense anymore. Otherwise, I'm going to keep using the word solved because the defense right now is solved until it changes the puzzle. Everyone's got the answer to it. So um, here's the thing. This season is dwindling. It is sputtering to a close and the Vikings chances do not look nearly as good. So where do we go from here? That's what's coming up next. Moving on here with Locked On Vikings here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Um, there are so many things that I'm not really getting into. I, I talked about the refs a little bit. I talked about the injuries a little bit. Um, the Justin Jefferson game, I haven't even mentioned. Justin Jefferson had an unbelievable game. 141 yards. Uh, some of the most incredible catches you'll ever see. A fantastic touchdown in the end zone. Third and 21 he did the same thing he did in the Buffalo game, like almost kind of blow, like, like almost picture perfect match. Same thing he did on the fourth and 18 in the Buffalo game last year to convert it. It felt like that was the thing that was going to be the hero play. And then Nick Mullins throws an interception. Fantastic. Justin Jefferson game. Go watch the highlights. You don't need to hear me tell you, but go, go watch the highlights. Go do that. I'll pause this and go watch the highlights. That is going to give you so much more joy than what I'm about to tell you, which is the Vikings are kaput, dude. It's a stick of fork in them, man. They're done. Here's the thing. Not only are they ravaged with injuries right now from, of course, Kirk Cousins uh, to we'll see if we get Brian O'Neill back at all. Uh, not sure if you're going to get Marcus Davenport back ever. Not sure if you're going to get TJ Hawkinson or Jordan Addison back. Again, you're missing Blackman. You're missing probably DJ Wanham. You're down to Patrick Jones at edge rusher. Uh, it's a nightmarish injury situation right now. And it's, you know, it's, it's Christmas. You're going to be pretty banged up. A lot of teams are, but that's a lot of like principal players. Like a lot of the Vikings, I think lost like half their salary cap to injuries this year. It happens sometimes. And, and in particular with injuries, um, it's easy to kind of get super wrapped up in, well, what could have been done to prevent this? And it's one of those things where it's this like test of your will to be able to just say, eh, this is probably bad luck. Injuries are luck. Right. They got good luck last year. They're bad luck this year. It's it's the way it is. It, I don't think that's entire. I think that is a little oversimplistic. Like, I think last year there were some like, quote unquote, sports science things that they did that worked really well. And then for whatever reason, they're not working now this year. Um, and there are ways to, I guess I'll say, adjust your probabilities. But adjusting your probabilities isn't adjusting your outcomes. Right. You can say, ah, we gave ourselves a better chance to not have a horrible injury year but we still might have horrible injury year sometimes. And we're in a horrible injury year, whatever, right? Quarterback goes down in October. You're not going to have a season. And the fact that they're still in it playing meaningful games, you said you can, I think, hang your hat on that and say, yeah, we gave it a, we gave it a run, right? We, we showed that we had something. Um, and that's something that you can kind of build on going forward. So as you go into the off season, you, you now have that back half of the season saying, okay, with our backs really against the wall, 
whole bunch of depth pieces in what worked for us. What did we have that was good and how can we take that and optimize it and turn it into what is, you know, the thing next year. And I know that's probably disappointing and it rings hollow for a few people. Uh, one of the things that, um, that I, I was just looking at recently was a, it was, it was from a book by Tony Dungy, kind of the beginning of, of a Tony Dungy book, the most recent one that he published. And he's going over a fictional conversation. He's kind of recounting stories, but he puts it in a fictional like lens so that he doesn't out any names or, you know, uh, cause any controversies or anything like that. And he's talking to a, a team owner. And this team owner has been exactly where all Vikings fans are, are nightmarishly, uh, you know, waking up in the middle of the night sweating about, which is eight and eight, eight, and nine, nine and eight, middle of the middle of the road, not a top five draft pick, not in the playoffs, that that kind of place where everybody, uh, you know, wants to jump off a bridge when they're at. Um, and it's about a team that's like kind of it's feeling like they're stuck in that rut. They've been like 500 for three years. And um, I'm sure this is a real conversation that Tony Dungy had with someone, but he changes all the names and information. And he says, you know, hey, you know, you guys have the pieces in place. And he says, what's your goal? And the owner says, well, to win the Super Bowl. And Tony Dungy says, is it just to win the Super Bowl? And the owner says, what do you mean just to win this? Yes, just to win the Super Bowl. Nothing else matters, right? If you ain't first, you're last. And he says, well, that's, that's not really setting yourself up for success, is it? Because if you look at every single thing that isn't the Super Bowl as a failure, you will never, ever build anything because you'll never realize what's worth keeping. So what is worth keeping on the Vikings, right? And that's where we go into the... I'm, I'm feeling off-season-y right now because I think the Vikings season is mostly over. They could win their last two games and make the playoffs. I do think it will require that, and I don't think that's going to happen. That's a prediction. It's not a decree, all right? If I'm wrong about that, I'm wrong about that, and I'm at peace with I would love it to be wrong about that. Um, but with no Hawkinson, possibly no Addison, with or I should say possibly no Hawkinson with a beat-up defense, a solved defense, a quarterback that can't take care of the ball, what are we going to do? I mean, come on. No, we're not winning out. <laughs> um, so I start to think, well, what on this team is worth keeping, right? And we got a great look at a whole bunch of things. What on this team is worth keeping? Is Josh Dobbs worth keeping? Eh, not at a huge cost. Bring him in for camp, sure. Would never say no to that. But not at a huge cost, right? Is Justin Jefferson worth keeping? Okay, well, absolutely he's worth keeping, right? A, a, a vision of a championship Vikings team will only be made stronger by having Justin Jefferson in that room. Is Daniil Hunter worth keeping? Absolutely, in my opinion, at least. I don't think they will, and I'm going to be mad about that when it happens. <laughs> but, you know, somebody like Dalton Reisner worth keeping. Sure, yeah, I think so. I think he's earned that. I think he's played well. Um, and, and, you know, go over the pieces in that way, right? And you get to, there are some of them that are hard. Is Kirk Cousins worth keeping? Okay, that's a harder conversation. Probably have to do a whole show about that. Um, one thing I will say, I, I saw a lot of this in uh, my own social media and uh, in more traditional media as well. I've seen this take a lot now, and I want to get out in front of it. A lot of people after now Nick Mullins has thrown his four interceptions. He just, he had his Dobbs day, uh, which it's, some people are saying, well, now it's time to bench him and put Jaron Hall in, which I'm not going to disagree with. Although I am willing to give the Vikings a little more patience, even when I don't agree with them. So I'm not going to go crazy about that. Plus, Hey, Josh Dobbs got to 
start the next game after his four interception day. Maybe Nick Mullins goes, I heard Ron Johnson say this on uh, fan line after the game. Maybe Nick Mullins goes in, but he's on a short leash, just like Dobbs had in the Vegas game. And maybe he gets benched in the middle of the game and we, we give Jaron Hall some reps or something like that. Sure. Whatever you want to do. But what a lot of people are saying is, wow, you got to sign Kirk Cousins after this disaster. And I, I hate that process. I don't think that's good process, regardless of what I think they should do with Kirk Cousins, which I haven't thought out very strongly after the season. So I'll get back to you on that in like January um, when you're late January, when the Vikings are when the season's over and, you know, whenever they're eliminated and, and then we're really talking about this seriously, I'll do a whole show on it and I'll talk out what I think. I don't know what I think. Defer the question. Um, but. The process that I will use to come to that conclusion is not going to be, look at how bad the backups quarterbacks played. You got to get Kirk back. I don't think that that logically tracks at all. Um, because if you were to replace Kirk Cousins on purpose, you're going to try to do better than Mullins, right? Like you'll draft someone, you'll hope he's better than Mullins. And maybe that guy busts and it's horrible anyways. And you have to factor that risk into your decision-making process. But watching Nick Mullins and Josh Dobbs absolutely torpedo and crash and burn shouldn't have a lot to do with what you think about Kirk Cousins. Um, that that that's those are uh, they're different guys that are different dudes who are different. Do you, you know what I mean? That they're not the same guy. So I don't know why they would. He's a different guy. <laughs> that's like that's not going to be helpful information. And and what people are doing, and I think they're skipping some steps, is they're saying, well, you know, Kirk Cousins did this, and then with the same supporting cast, Josh Dobbs did this, therefore Kirk Cousins is good. And it's very like seventh grade algebra kind of um, thought process, and I don't think that that's the right way, right, right way to approach things. You should judge these guys individually on their own expectations. Josh Dobbs and Nick Mullins do not have the same expectations as Kirk Cousins because they aren't supposed to be the starter. You are evaluating those guys as backups. And do I want them back as back? Question for another day. I don't know how I feel. Not feeling great today, but I'll let this one wash away a little bit before I start, you know, claiming, uh, staking my claim on those. But Kirk Cousins is supposed to be a starter. And more than that, he's supposed to be a franchise starter that gets you to the Super Bowl. So how does he line up to that expectation? That's his expectation. The Nick Mullins expectation is that you don't, totally blow the game with stupid mistakes which we did not get there today <laughs> so not great on his question either but it's a separate guy with separate questions so i don't like looking at this another way to put it is nobody was arguing that you should bench kirk cousins and put nick mullins in <laughs> nobody ever said that maybe somebody did i don't know every take does exist on the internet but that's not what people have been saying they've been saying well maybe we should you know try to get a different quarterback that is like serious Nobody is saying Josh Dobbs was supposed to be that guy, right? So I don't see it and in, in, in that same way. And um, I just encourage people to be a little bit more process-oriented, a little more critical thinking. That's what I want. Critical thinking in your process rather than the reactionary thing, watching one quarterback be bad and then trying to use it to take a victory lap on the guy that you were arguing is good. Even though those two things are independent variables, they don't play at the same time. They're, they're, they're different, they're different guys. I, sorry. They're different. 
All right. Uh, tomorrow is Twitter Tuesday. I'll put out a call for questions. It's a, I'll put out a call for questions on Christmas. So I, I get to it if you can. And if not, that's okay. Uh, but, but this show is not skipping a beat. All right. Because there's lots of people out there. Not all of them celebrate Christmas. Some of y'all still want to listen to a podcast. And I respect that. And I'm here for you. Uh, regardless, I'll see y'all then. And as always, Skull.